123 to 134. The Philadelphia 76ers fall to the red hot Utah Jazz. I'm Jerry Green from Philly Sports Talk. Here today by myself, unfortunately, Koi Kamisholi is still getting situated in Florida and he was a little bit busy, but he'll definitely be back for the next podcast, um, which is going to be an Eagles offseason preview. So if you're an Eagles fan, be on the lookout for that. Anyways, let's get into the game. Now, there's one guy I really want to start with, and this should come as no surprise, but Ben Simmons, man, he had a career night, 42 points, 12 assists, 9 rebounds, and the most important thing for me is 15 to 29, 15 to 26 rather from the field, 12 to 13 from the line. That is just, you love to see that from him. Not only is he getting to the rim and being aggressive and taking these shots, he's getting to the line as well, and he's making these free throws at the line. And that's been a huge area of his game that he's improved on throughout his career. And I think it's key to his development as an offensive player because last year he shot 62% from free throw and this year he's shooting 67%. So that's a pretty big increase and hopefully he can keep that up, keep building on it because when he goes downhill there's and he's finishing at the rim through contact, uh, you foul him, he goes the line and he punches you. Uh, that's a pretty unstoppable player. And then when you consider what he's doing on defense, which, by the way, last night tasked primarily with guarding Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell had 24 points, but only on 9 of 24 shooting. So I think it's safe to say Ben did a pretty good job there. And Ben wasn't the only one who put up some impressive numbers. Tobias Harris had 36 points, 10 boards on 14 of 24 from the field. A season high for him in terms of points. So those two guys really pulled the load on offense along with Dwight Howard who had a double double 14 points 12 boards a a really good game from him I was happy with what he did coming off the bench and apart from that the rest of the team just flat out did not play good Mike Scott he played 17 minutes I was pretty happy with what he did out there Matisse Thibel he gave in he put in like 19 minutes and I was pretty with happy with what he did as well but the other few guys that were in the rotation, uh, just not a good night. Seth Curry didn't shoot the ball well. Danny Green did not shoot the ball well. Furkan Korkmaz did not shoot the ball well. For Tyrese Maxey did not shoot the ball well. Like, it's the same old story. And not only are the Sixers not hitting their three-pointers, they're not taking enough. Um, and that's been the story all season. They're taking far too many mid-range shots. Joel Embiid is... Part of that reason, you know, him and Tobias Harris, they're taking more deep twos than they ever have in their careers, and both of them are making them. So I, I wouldn't say that they should stop as long as they're hitting them at the rate that they've been hitting them. But, you know, the shot distribution is a problem because I hate to be an analytics guy, but threes are worth more than twos. So if you're going to settle for a jumper, you might as well just take the three-pointer. Um, sixes are not taking or making, for that matter enough three-pointers, bottom line. Uh, I'd expect them to address this in some way. Daryl Morey is notorious for his team shooting the ball from three-point lane a lot. We saw it in Houston. I think that with him in control of this team, he'll work out some trades, talk to Doc Rivers, whatever, to try and fix this problem. But anyways, that leads me to my next point, which is the bench. And man, our bench has just not been helping us out at all, really. Uh, last night, Dwight Howard had 14 points off the bench. You take him away, the Sixers had a combined 11 points from the rest of their bench guys. 
and that's just not going to cut it. The bench, over this three-game losing streak, the bench has been frequently getting outscored. That happened again last night. Jordan Clarkson had 40, and then the rest of their guys combined for 17. So that's 57 points off the bench for the Jazz and just 25 for the Sixers. Now, part of this is the absence of Shake Milton, and I understand that. He is another guy who hasn't been shooting the ball from three well this year, but he definitely you could feel his impact when he's on the court. And that's really been apparent this these past few games when he's been out due to injury. Now, a lot of people think that, and I'm in agreement with those people, that the Sixers should try and address this problem via trade. Some of the guys on the market or some of the guys the Sixers have been rumored to have interest in, DeLon Wright of the Pistons, he's a guard. George Hill of the Thunder, another guard. Both of those guys can shoot the three. Nemanja Bjelicic of the Kings, who's a power forward. He's been out of the rotation, really, and uh, throughout his career, he's been a good shooter, but not so much this year. Maybe if he comes to a new team and starts to get more playing time, he can turn that around. That's the idea. And P.J. Tucker in Houston, he has also been shooting the ball pretty poorly this year, but we know what he can do from the corner and defensively as well. And, you know, you're not going to get a guy through trade who's shooting the ball 40% on the year because, you know, teams aren't just going to let those guys up. And you kind of, when you're when you're talking about this, you know, you look at their numbers, you say, Nemanja Bjelicic, he's shooting less than 30% from three on the year. And granted, that's a small sample size. He's only played like 10 games, but it it makes you reluctant to trade for those guys. But you have to take a risk at some point. And Daryl Morey is a guy who's known for, when he has a chance to win the title, he goes all in to win it. That's his philosophy. So I would expect him to make some pretty big moves uh, before the deadline. Now, one more thing that I wanted to note is the Sixers ran a little bit of small ball. Now, what this means is they didn't really have a, set, a true center on the floor. Mike Scott, it, the starters actually did this. Mike Scott was kind of like the center. You could say Ben Simmons was the center, whatever. it, And the benefit to this is they're able to space the floor more, which gives Ben Simmons space to attack the rim. Um, they're able to run in transition because you don't have a big man slowing you down. And you're able to switch everything on defense because it's, it's pretty much five wing defenders out there. And you can just, you don't have to worry about screens or any of that. You can just switch everything and you won't really get a ton of bad matchups. Now, the problem is you're obviously sacrificing defense because a guy like Rudy Gobert is going to score on someone shorter than him, like Mike Scott, more times than not. Um, obviously, you do whatever you can to keep the ball out of the center's hands, but it's going to happen. You're going to give up more points than you would normally, and rebounding uh, becomes a bit of a problem. Now, it's not like the Sixers played small ball all game, but it was effective in some of the limited stretches that they did. Uh, so I think that this is kind of an experiment. The Sixers definitely still have to work it out more, uh, get some more practice reps in, but... I would expect Doc Rivers to go back to this later on in the season, uh, and I think that something to look out for because Ben Simmons really dominated um, when they played this way. Let's move on to the Jazz, who are now 23-5 and on the season, best record in the league. They've won 18 of their last 19 games. They're on an eight-game win streak and some efficiency stats. They're fourth in offensive rating, second in defensive rating. Uh, Rudy Gobert... He's averaging 14 points, 13 boards, 
three blocks on 64% field goal. Most Almost all of his shots are coming at the rim. He's definitely in the defensive player of the year discussion, but so has Ben Simmons. Um, the Jazz have just been a really dominant team this year, and Mike Conley has been one of their biggest guys. I, I think that their offense, you know, we know they're going to have a good defense with a guy like Rudy Gobert protecting the rim. They're going to be at least above average every single year. They've been they've exceeded that, and that's because they have good wing defenders, just a really solid rotation. I talked about the guys they have earlier who just hit threes at, a, at an above-average rate. All of their guys in, in their eight-man rotation are hitting threes. Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Bohan Bogdanovich, all of those guys. And Georges Niang, he's not been the best shooter this season, but he's, you know, he's liable to hit some from beyond the arc. And that, that's really been the key to the Jazz success. They, they can knock down shots. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams. They run a lot of their offense through Mike Conley, but they still use Donovan Mitchell a lot and Jordan Clarkson off the bench too. And they pretty much have at least two of those three guards playing at all times. Now, Mike Conley's been injured for the past five or six games, so it it switched up a little bit. But when he was healthy and when they were they had everyone, that's what they did most of the time. Now, Mitchell, he's averaging 24 points a game. Clarkson is averaging 18. I think Clarkson is probably... If the season ended today, he'd be my sixth man of the year. And Mike Conley, you, you look at some of the advanced metrics, and you have to take these with a grain of salt sometimes, but Conley, his on-off numbers have been pretty much the best in the league. And I'm talking across all players, like Raptor 538's Raptor metric, which I think is a pretty good one. He was first in that. Um, it kind of measures like on-off and your your impact on the team's winning, like when Mike Conley is on the floor, the Jazz are better than when Mike Conley is off the floor, so he has a good Raptor. It's obviously more complicated than that, but and there's a lot of things that go into it, but that's like the main premise. So without him, they they haven't even struggled. I'm I'm looking at their past like ten games or whatever, and they played some tough opponents. I mean, without Conley, they've all obviously beat the Sixers, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Celtics, and they beat the Heat who have Jimmy Butler now. Um, coming up, they I think they play the Clippers back-to-back, or not back-to-back. Their next two games, they have the Clippers. Uh, they've beat, you know, they're beating good teams. It's The Jazz are no joke. They're a legit contender, and I think the only concern with them is they don't have, like, that one guy. You look at most of the championship teams over the past few years. You, you have LeBron, you have Kawhi, you have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, on all these teams, the Jazz don't really have that type of guy who can you can hand him the ball on offense and he's going to get you a bucket when you really need it. But anyways, let's get back to the Sixers. And I, I think there's definitely reason to be concerned over this team. Uh, they've had a pretty light schedule so far. You look at some of their wins, they haven't beaten a ton of good teams at full strength. Boston twice, probably their most impressive wins of the season and the Lakers win. But besides that, losses to Portland, um, Phoenix, Utah, like they're most of the teams they're playing are not that great, and they haven't beaten a ton of good teams. They have a soft schedule, and I still think there's a lot to prove for the Sixers team. They don't they, like the one seed is not locked up. The East have been playing really badly as a whole lately, so the Sixers have been able to maintain that one and a half game lead or whatever they have on the Bucks, but. If the Sixers keep playing like this, they're not going to hold on to the one seed for very long. 
I think a trade is definitely inbound in the coming weeks for the Sixers. Just the the way the bench has been playing, it's been a problem all season, even before Shake went went down. Um, I think that there's no denying that it's an issue that needs to be addressed, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see something as soon as the next few days a, a trade is announced for the Sixers. Um, hopefully they can improve the team somehow because I, at the place we're at right now, I don't think the Sixers are really a contender. I don't think that they have what it takes to beat the Bucks and the Nets with this current roster and the current way that they've been playing. I think that some trades need to happen and some trades will happen. Um, but right now I'd have them third in terms of likelihood to come out of the East. But anyways, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for listening to this. Koi will be back for the next podcast. Uh, Next Sixers game is against the Rockets, who have really been struggling recently since Christian Wood's injury. And they're back at home in the Wells Fargo Center, so that's going to help a little bit too. Hopefully they can bounce back, and I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So tune into the recap. We'll come out with that as soon as possible, as usual. And thank you for listening to this one. We'll see you next time.